Hey everybody, this is uh, Paul, and that's right, it wasn't a hey guys intro, this was a hey everybody intro, so you know, it's a not episode. Also, because uh, the guy that normally starts the show is here with me. Hi, I'm Chris. And we don't have John this week. No, John, this is a, a Chris and Paul show. Maybe you will hear, uh, or maybe you won't, who knows, they're not episodes. Earlier, in the original not, episode 393... John and I discussed our favorite uh, liquors and spirits and mixing drinks and how that's going. Uh, this week, this time, and still not episode 393, which we're calling this one, uh, Chris and I are getting together to talk about Magic the Gathering. Uh, yeah, because we're nerds. Super nerds. Uh, this game is about as old as we are. Uh, we, we actually are a little bit older than it. but Yeah, we're, we're older than it. Uh, but, you know, it's been with us throughout our whole life basically uh we both took time away from the game but have gotten back in and uh you know briefly touch upon it here or there but uh now we're we're kind of gotten back deep into it and we'll kind of discuss our history with it as along with the history of magic the gathering um, yeah. so chris normally we'll hi start, i'm chris yeah normally we start the show off by uh drinking and i i don't see any reason to stop yeah, I, I don't either. Even though, <laughs> Even though well, it's almost noon, yeah. so it's okay. It's allowed. Uh, also, it's the weekend. Who cares? <laughs> um, usually, we drink beer on the show. I made a mistake the other day. I was saving a beer to have this morning, uh, and then I got home and I actually started brewing up some magic decks on my couch. And I was like, "Oh, you know, what? I can have a beer while I do this." And then I realized last night I was like, "Oh wait, I don't have that beer anymore." Um, so I kind of followed your lead, and I made a, a special drink for this morning. Um, I got up a little bit ago, so I made myself a pot of coffee. Uh, I'm calling this an Ajani Goldmane after the <laughs> mono-white planeswalker from Magic the Gathering. Uh, this is just coffee. Then I use the International Delights Sweet Cream. Oh, I like that one quite a it's bit. Their, yeah, their Cold Stone-flavored mm -hmm. one. Uh, and then I put a healthy uh, pouring of Jim Beam Vanilla... Uh, whiskey in it. Oh, vanilla and vanilla. Mono white. Yeah. <laughs> see what you did. There. It's mono white. Um, it's got that whiskey burn right on the front, mm -hmm. but then it just really cools out into that sweet cream and the vanilla. Um, yeah, it's delicious. I can see myself drinking the rest of the four cups in the pot the exact same way. Oh, wow. oh that'll wake you up. That'll revive the dead or raise the dead. I'm forgetting. Yeah, Race of Dead. That's a card. <laughs> what do you got, though? I'm, I, I'm drinking... Uh, I've been following this uh, one YouTuber uh, on... It's uh, How to Drink. And he, this week, uh, uh, unbeknownst to me, did a, did a um, variation on the Disneyland and Disney World uh, drink, uh, the Dole Whip. Uh, Ooh, I, I like the Dole Whip. Yeah, so my wife was interested in having it, and I already had the frozen... Uh, pineapple because i was thinking about making up pina coladas and so i figured you know what i'll just make up the uh the dole whip uh, shape that he made instead because you know it's enjoyable and uh it is it's a uh, really nice i i think the rum i used just white rum bacardi white rum and i didn't use a special like spiced or three year or anything like he did on the show uh, but I think it loosens it up just enough, so it it's really drinkable through a straw. And it does add just doesn't add a burn, but it adds a nice little depth of flavor, and kind of cuts down on the sweetness because uh, 
Next, if I made this again, I definitely wouldn't add any kind of uh, grainy weight, any kind of sugar, because it has three teaspoons of sugar in it. But the pine, mm. frozen pineapple is so sweet enough that I think uh, I think I can step back uh, all that sugar. I, I don't need it in here. Um, it's a nice, sweet, refreshing drink. Uh, I don't really like pina coladas, but I think I just have had bad pina coladas. That's why I wanted to try making it, you know, following the some other recipes, you know, the how to drink recipe and also the death and code book recipe. See if I can, and also, well, uh, Bon Appetit had a recipe for it as well uh, from, there's a show called It's Alive on the Bon Appetit YouTube show. Uh, and those all look good. So I was like, you know what? I'll buy some frozen pineapple. I'll, you know, I got some coconut milk at home or coconut cream. I, I could try, you know, maybe it's just bad pina coladas I've been having. And uh, so... Well, you know, I gave this a shot, and it is, it's nice. I don't think it's going to get me uh, drunk or anything, because it's only got a, you know, four, it's only got about one ounce of rum in it, so. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fine. It's just there to kind of add some flavor and add some uh, warmth. Yes. Sounds, sounds good. Mm. And I'm surprised you don't like pina coladas. I mean, I've never had, like, an outstanding one, but it seems just to be a pretty standard drink. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I will tell you this: that uh, my straw is not holding up to this drink, though, because I'm using gotcha. a paper. I'm using a paper straw, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's uh, quickly deteriorating now. Wah, wah. Mm -hmm. I just gotta plug up the holes, you know. But that's, that's that's it. You know, mixing drinks. It's all trial and error. You know, you try something, you make minor adjustments, you come back to the table with a new uh, with a new spec. It there sounds, you uh, you know, and see how that works for not only you, yeah. but also for uh, the people you're serving. Much like... Much like your magic ducks. Oh, see? What a great see? segue. There you go. Um, so, just to start off, you know, talk about our histories with magic, because I actually started back in 1993 or 1994, was whenever Revised came out, because it was after they had already done like, Alpha and Beta. Um, two of the friends I had at church actually got into it and they would give me their extra cards because what would you need extra cards for? You just, you make one deck and then you got all these other cards sitting around, you know? <laughs> oh, little did they know. <laughs> exactly. Like, so I would get the, like, burn off cards. So I'd make up just stupid, dumb little decks. Um, nothing too great, but I just like the actual play and the interactions of the cards. Like. I remember my friend Jim uh, pulling off this combo, which I thought was mind-blowing at the time, but now looking back at it, it's like, oh yeah, of course, that's that's what you do with it. Um, with a card Thicket Basilisk, which was a creature that destroyed any creatures blocking it. Not, And again, this was back during Revise, so this creature's blocking it, not it deals damage too. They revise that into Death Touch. Um, but then he would put the creature enchantment lure on it, which requires all creatures to block said creature. And then he would also put the enchantment regeneration on it, which meant when this character or when this creature dies, you bring it back from your graveyard. So basically he was able to attack with this creature, kill all of mine or our friend Tim's, and then bring it back out right away, and then he would put another lure on it. And I was like, That's so broken, that's not allowed, you can't do that. Little did I know, like, yeah, that's basically what everyone did with with that creature. 
<laughs> but it was so, it was so cool, like just how much your game could change based on the cards that you would have. Um, I stopped playing for a few years, and then I got back into it in high school when I started to meet all these other like brand new people, and then found out, hey, they're huge nerds too. And guess what? They played this magic game that I used to play years ago. So I got back into it, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and just kind of weaved in and out since then. My relationship with magic's been a lot like my relationship with World of Warcraft, where I get into it, I fall out. A couple years later, I get into it, I fall out. And then a couple years after that, I get into it, and I get into it hard. Uh, I also was an early adopter of Magic the Gathering. Uh, I never, I played it with uh, friends who would build decks, and they basically gave me decks that they were trying out to see how they would work. So I was like the dummy player constantly. Uh, How old was I in fourth grade, and when was fourth grade? I don't know. But it was the summer (laughs) between fourth and fifth grade. Or, yeah. No, it's the summer between fifth and sixth grade that I first tried Magic the Gathering over at my uh, friend's PJ's house. Uh, he just he just came back. Uh, it was near the end of the summer because he stayed with his dad in California. You know, divorced parents. Uh, you know how that is. But he brought back this brand new game uh, called Magic the Gathering from Wizards of the Coast. So I assumed that it was a small shop. In California, being on the coast, like I didn't, you know, I'm like, oh, you can't find this here. This is a small Makes game. Sense. No, it's it's crazy. It's just a deck of cards. It's not like a board game. It's not like Hero Quest or you know something that's you know released by Milton Bradley. You know, it's it must be a small shop. And it's and I thought it was like oh, hearing about him talking about it, and I'm like oh, it's kind of like what you use like tarot cards, like they're magic cards, like. Is it like I? I was so confused by it, and then he explained it to me, and he had two decks that he built, and he, he just we would switch off, like we would just keep on playing between between the two decks. Uh, I got home and I'm like, oh man, I kind of you know I wish I, we could find this pre-internet, you know. <laughs> so there was no way of me knowing that it was an actual thing. I just thought it was something yeah. that he brought back from California, and that would be the end of it, and we would just play with the stuff that he was able to get. And, you know, he couldn't wait until next summer when he was out, but going to be back or even near Christmas. And the next time he went over to his dad's house and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll bring back more cards. I'll get some more cards. And we'll build more decks. And I'm like, cool. And they would. Uh, and then, you know, it took until probably about two to three years later, like seventh grade. So, well, a year. Seventh and eighth grade. That's when, like, my group of friends really got into Magic the Gathering cards uh, they were building deck, all sorts of decks, the elf decks and the the uh, the goblin decks, and you know we, there would be sleepover parties for birthdays, and that would be the thing. That would be what everybody did all night was just play decks of cards. I never had my own. My parents thought they were you know just a money grab, which kind of was, kind of still is with the chasing the cards. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so yeah, there's. There's that aspect to it, and also, you know, my my family was Catholic, and they were like, you know, there's demons and stuff in it. Not that they're all that worried because I could play Diablo. So it wasn't like, yeah. I'm like, okay, what's the difference here? Like, where's <laughs> Inheritic and stuff like that on the computer? It, it was mostly because, you know, 
they didn't want me wasting my money on that. I should, you know, do something smart with that money, like buy baseball cards, a better investment. <laughs> it was not a better investment. It is. It is not. Uh-huh. My baseball cards are worth nothing. Nope. But some of those magic cards, I'm sure. Oh, Matt, yeah. If you had still had some of those magic cards, they've actually uh, either held their value or gone up, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially just because even though they have the different formats of play, there's always the people that are looking for those cards so they can play, you know, like modern or where you can basically use pretty much any card except for ones that have been banned or restricted. Mm-hmm. So there's still a market out there for some of those, yeah. which is crazy. But I'm very what surprised. were your, starting off, what were your go-to colors and how has that changed over time? I always wanted to be able, because everybody would like try to be getting a blue mill deck to work. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, but nobody had fun playing the blue mill deck. So that's the deck that people would hand me during parties, <laughs> you know, like, oh, try to get this to work, you know, play with this. And, you know, because people apparently like they hated playing against it. So they were trying constantly trying to beat it. And but nobody could had enough to actually build a good one. Uh, so I was constantly playing uh, blue like control decks. And I actually thought that would be really cool, you know, really cool, especially if uh, with if you could get that uh, spell book artifact out and then have a unlimited hand size and just be able to gather up like all your cards and, like, and have them in front of you. I thought that was really fun. And I also enjoyed uh, being able to play uh, the goblin decks, like the red mm-hmm. goblin decks where you get the goblin king out and you have just a bunch of just goblins that you're just constantly attacking with just because it was so easy to do yeah especially with you when you're the kid that's just handed a deck and told here try this out because they were trying to play against it and you have no idea what combos are in there you don't know what you're doing with it like so if you were handed a goblin or an elf deck or even a control deck i at least knew what i needed to do with it like because yeah. sometimes yeah there's a, a green comp where you're just waiting to get that com- a combo going you're like, well, that's not any fun because I don't know that combo, what combo I'm trying to go for here, and I, I just lose. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I still I gravitated towards blue uh, growing up just because I thought that was cool to have all your cards, you know, with that spell book, and then just be able to grab all the cards, um, you know. So kind of a mill, but also you had... The ability to cast whatever you wanted, that yeah, was fun. that would be fun. See, I always went green's always been my favorite color. I just like the mana ramp aspect of it, where it's like, okay, you know, each turn I can play my one land, but then I can use that one land to put out my elf, and then that mm-hmm. elf's going to give me another land next turn. So now next turn, guess what? I'm going to have three. My opponent's only going to have that two still, so I'm. I'm ahead of the curve on them. Like yeah. I'm going to be able to ramp into those bigger creatures sooner, and that's really what I loved about it, is the fact that by turn four I could have out a gigantic like seven six uh, frost worm or like crawl worm. Like I could have this gigantic creature out while my opponent was still trying to build their board, and then if they're trying to lightning bolt something, I would have the giant growths in there where all of a sudden it's like, no, you know what? I have this extra mana for my elves. I can give this creature, you know, plus three, plus three. It's it survives. It's attacked. I just like that constant, like 
big growth aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And that's even carried over to playing today uh, with Magic Arena. The first decks that I really went for were were the green decks because it was the color that I knew. I would be able to recognize those combinations that you were talking about before because it's so ingrained in just who I was as a player throughout those early years that if I see something, I'm like, okay, I understand how this is going to work. But what Magic Arena has really done for me is opened me up to a whole bunch of other, like, the color archetypes and play styles because I'm able to try things out that I normally wouldn't try because... I'm basically just getting cards for free by playing, which is something that I wouldn't really have access to otherwise when I was just buying, you know, two packs here and there. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I can walk away in Magic the uh, Gathering Arena with, you know, four packs a day. And it cost me no money. It was only a time investment and oh, a few wins here and there. Yeah, And it's so quick and easy to build the decks. Like, I have everything right in front of me. And if I want to search for a card that lets me draw, all I have to go is to the search bar and type in draw. And I can see what will work with that deck type that I'm trying to make. And if the deck doesn't work, well, hey, guess what? Just delete it and start fresh with something new. I do. Uh, the deck building... This is the first video game adaptation of Magic the Gathering that actually has deck building done right. Like, I never played Magic the Gathering online, uh, so maybe that had it better. Because, But you actually had to pay for packs, I think, so, yeah. and stuff like that. This implementation where you can... I've been, I have not dropped a single penny on this game yet. Um, and I feel like I can be fairly competitive on that ranked mm-hmm. board. Um, and the card, you know, the card releases are mirroring the actual releases of the game it's the physical copy games itself so we got the core set 2020 released the same time that core set 2020 was released we got um war war of the spark same day and date um so i'm keeping up with these expansions a little bit easier than i would uh say in hearthstone uh, where yeah. hearthstone there was at least with this like there's codes online you, they'll give you like three packs for free, like, during these releases. Like, Hearthstone, maybe get a pack or two free upon uh, an expansion release, but those expansions changed the meta so wildly in Hearthstone, yeah. where unless you were buying the newest packs, like, you couldn't be competitive. On Magic of the Gathering Arena, you can still use older cards, you know, that you have, work in some newer ones if you want, or keep your older decks, because it's still... Especially with the core sets, a lot of the cards are the exact same card. Yeah. <laughs> Not even change of art. <laughs> so you're, well, you know. As much as I liked Hearthstone, because it was a online version of Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. like I, and it, it played pretty fun, but what I didn't really like about it is you had to choose, you know, your character class type, and then you were locked into just using certain cards. Like, yeah, there were the cards that were open to every class type, but for the most part, once you decided what to play as, mm-hmm. it really limited your card pool. And with Magic, you you have no limitations. You can use any card you want. You just have to be able to pay for it in-game using mana. And there's tricks that you can use to get that mana that you need, whether it's you know dual mana sources or like artifacts that generate any color type. 
you can build pretty much any deck you want to build. Like Hearthstone, I wouldn't be able to make a Warlock Hunter deck because those are two completely separate classes and you're locked out from every other card as soon as you go into that one archetype. That's very true. I never thought about that as being a limitation for Hearthstone. Uh, but you're right. I like, uh, it's. I don't really... I might do two colors. I got a three-color deck for the first time that I've ever tried. Uh, I haven't really tried it out yet in uh, Arena. And what's kind of crazy is I'm actually trying different, a lot more different style decks in Arena than I would ever build in the real world. Because... Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I have you know three copies of of it uh, of a card in arena, but I could put that in fifty decks. Yeah, those three copies in the real world, I would then have to break down that deck. Yeah, put those cards in my standard <laughs> deck, and that's a pain in the butt. It is. I you actually know? remember doing that back when we were playing uh, physical magic back when um, like Zendikar came out. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have cards that I really enjoyed using, but I only had, you know, a couple copies of it. So if I wanted to use it in multiple decks, I would have to take it out of, you know, deck A to put it to deck B. And it's just a pain. Arena makes it so much easier because, like, as soon as you unlock those cards, boom, you just put them in every deck you want. Oh, and the crafting system, so much better than Hearthstone as well. I I will agree on that. Um, you get... One of my big yeah, complaints with Hearthstone is... It took so long to earn the gold. It really was a game that required you to buy into it using real currency. If you wanted to just try to grind out your games and your tavern brawl wins, you could. But for me, it was something more casual to play. And getting the amount of wins I needed a day to earn the gold to then turn that gold into a pack, Mm -hmm. it, it just didn't work out. So I was falling behind on stuff. Arena, I mean, I know you said you haven't put any money into it. I've actually put $25 into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the $5 welcome bundle, which gave me, I think, like three packs, but then it unlocked like a bunch of alternate card styles, which I just liked the artwork on the unlock styles. And then I bought the Mastery Pass that they introduced uh, with the release of Core 2020, where... As you progress through it, you gain levels. Each level gives you rewards, but with the Mastery Pass, you get extra rewards. Mm-hmm. Um, and 20 bucks wasn't too bad. I was able to justify that because I don't stop at the gas station every morning now to get a breakfast sandwich and a coffee. That alone saves me 9 bucks a day. I got a coffee machine here. Oh, good. I've got... I've got vanilla whiskey and sweet cream. Hey, I don't need to go anywhere else for my coffee. I got a Johnny right here. He's my barista. Uh, but like, just by cutting out that expenditure, I was able to say, like, no, oh, you know, I can get this mastery pass for twenty bucks now, and I feel like the extra rewards that I have gotten for it do make it worth it. And I know we're talking about a digital card game that has no real world value in it, but just the fun and the experience of it because. Like you said, I'm able to try crafting so many different deck types. I think the maximum number of decks I had before when playing Paper Magic was maybe three. If I was to open up Arena right now, I think I have 12 decks just sitting there ready to go. And only two of them are monocolor. I have a mono black zombie deck, and then I have a mono red, just crazy direct damage weenie creature deck mm-hmm. 
everything else I have is two, three, and then I have two four color decks right now too that are, one of them works, the other one I just made last night and it's fun when it goes off, but it needs to be tweaked a little bit. And I love that I can do that tweaking of it without actually having to pay money for it. It's just the time investment and the trial and error of it. Mm -hmm. Seeing what works in the deck, what doesn't. And then playing online with people's really cool because I can see what they're doing in their decks and be like, oh, well, that card would work perfectly in this deck. I, I never thought of that. And then I can sub that one in and take something else out that's not performing. And if you need that deck, you have a... Ma- massive uh, pool of uh, you know crafting ability because mm-hmm. unlike in Hearthstone where he had to save up and like break down if you had too many of yeah. one type of card you would break it down and get a certain amount of dust but that level of dust didn't let you create a card that was equal value of the card that you just dusted nope. like so you had to dust more cards to create a card of equal value here as soon as you collect four of one type of card, you can't have more than four in a deck, it automatically gives you uh, the ability to create, uh, get a copy of uh, another card of the same, either uh, common, uncommon, uh, what's after that? Rare, or and then mythic rare. Rare, and then, okay, so uncommon silver? Yeah, okay. un- so common's going to be the black yep. cards with the black logo. Uncommon silver... Rare is going to be gold, and then Mythic is going to be the orange. Uh, um, really, I can't really tell the difference between <laughs> Rare and mythic, mythic Rare. Colorblind. Um, mythic Rares, well, you get one Rare per pack. Mm-hmm. Mythic Rares are every eighth Rare is going to be a Mythic. So they're like the chase cards, pretty mm-hmm. much. Like They're harder to find, but they tend to be more powerful. Um, but also, I love the fact that they give you the random wild cards too as you open up the packs Mm -hmm. like so it's not even as like you find one in the pack but just for opening a certain number of packs you'll get an extra uncommon wild card or after you open you know five regular packs you might get the rare wild card Um, that way you're still getting something yeah you still feel like you're advancing and it's great because uh right now i've actually because of all the uh uncommon packs uncommons that i've earned either through getting duplicates since, you know, I started playing Arena during, right before the launch of War of the Planeswalker, War of the Spark. Yep. Because that's when we got in. And, um, I actually now have unlocked, or, you know, crafted at least one uncommon of everything from the core pack of 2020. So, (laughs) I have, and I have 13 uncommons just waiting to be crafted, because I'm like, I'm not going to craft duplicates, because, you know, as long as I got one of each, like so, my goal now is to actually unlock, you know, have crafted at least one of every 2020 before the next pack comes out because mm-hmm. I think that's a easy enough goal to do. Um, oh yeah, because they just make it so easy, and that's what I'm really enjoying about playing it on, you know, through Arena right now. Yeah, and I haven't done it yet. Um, I was on vacation for most of this week from from work so i had free time i got to see some family who came down to florida for a couple days the rest of that time i was you know doing housework which is lame but i was playing arena and you know building decks testing things out i'm able to see what works and what doesn't work in my decks 
that I actually sat down and built versions of the decks that I liked at home with the cards that I purchased over the past couple months. And then I went to my local game store here in Orlando, Florida, and I went in with a shopping list. I was like, okay, like these are the cards that I need from these decks. I can now like build this deck IRL, like in the real world, because mm-hmm. I I know this works. I've gone up against people with this deck. It's trial, it's been tested, it works. And I I built six magic decks over the past couple of days and it's not like a game of like, oh, are they going to work? Are they going to not work? Because I've already I've already done the work on them. Like they've been they've been lab tested, they've been approved. I can take them out into the real world now. So if I want to go somewhere like a Friday Night Magic or the store that I went to, um, it's called Family Game Nights. Just all board games, role playing games, training card games, uh, miniature games. It's actually like a really cool store if you're in Orlando. Definitely check it out. But they do two like casual Tuesdays where it's just like, hey, if you want to show up, play, cool. You know, it's very friendly. It's like not that competitive. So that's something I could possibly do because all the decks that I built are standard legal. Like I was able to say like, okay, these are the cards that I want to draw from, you know, just like the past year's worth of sets. I was able to do that. I looked at my decks. I pulled out any of the cards that I had from the older seasons that will be rotating out once the new set comes out. And then I was able to plug new things in and test it out. Arena is such a great tool for doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of, you know, we got into it during uh, Zandal, not Zandalar. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> That's why I was Zendikar. Zendikar. Uh, and w- which core set was that? Was that 10? Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so probably 10 know. years ago because it was core set X. So for the 10-year anniversary, they were doing this huge, I think, was that their first re-release of the core set? And they've been doing it every year since. They've, I think they were doing it before that because I remember having some cards back when I was playing originally that had a seven on them for like the seventh edition. Okay, so they did so additions, they, and then they did additions, and now they've done the core. core sets. So, yeah, and I'm like, oh, you know, I never really, as a kid, got to buy magic cards. I got some money now. I'm in my twenties. You know, why not? So I was started collecting the from the core set because I'm like, these are cards I I know and remember. Because I rem, because I think everybody kind of fell out, at least in our group, when the really strange cards, the unglued. Uh, sets mm-hmm. came out and stuff like that where, oh, rip up a card uh, into small pieces, toss it in the air. If any part part of the card touches another card, uh, destroy that card. Like, stuff like that was happening where, you know, it was just almost a spoof of itself. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they got so crazy and I'm like, you know what, I don't think I could get into it knowing all these different rules and all these different texts. You know, I, I don't know what reaches. I don't know what death touches like and i don't want to learn all that oh corset that should be easy enough for me to get into like and i'll i'll be able to learn a couple of the keywords and that was fun you know i got into it and we up until zandikar you know we played but you know that money hunt just you know it was expensive you know three dollars a pack um the corset packs were you know with the weren't bad the intro packs that you got uh, mm-hmm. Especially since I needed mana cards, so I didn't mind getting a whole bunch of mana cards because um, I was just starting a collection. But then again, like it, it came down to uh, the 
the money hunt and I'm like, hey, you know what? We don't play all that often. I'm dropping a lot of money on this or, mm-hmm. you know, just for me to kind of look at them and think, oh, yeah, I'll build a deck and then not. <laughs> so uh, I, just, I just did the research and Corset 2020, I'm sorry, 2010 was right before Zendikar, World Wake, and Rise of the Eldrazi came out. So that was 2009. Yeah. So, yep, that's what you said. It was like 10 years ago. 10 years ago, so. Um, Man. Uh, so, go ahead. what I was doing is, um, because I've been buying packs of War of the Spark and then, um, like, M20. But they also have this thing, it's called, like, the Deck Builder's Toolkit, where it comes with a storage box. You get a pack of land cards. I think it's, like, 20 or 25 lands in it. Uh, but then you also get uh, some boosters of M20. They give you four boosters of other sets that are still in standard. So it's War of the Spark, Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance. And then they give you 125 just other random cards from those blocks as well. Mm-hmm. So I was able to build up a pretty decent collection from just those because that Deck Builder's Toolkit's only $20. Yeah, and that's how I kind of started my collection when I was doing it again, too, with those kind of sets and also the, like, one player, like, the kind of, like, oh, uh, the blue deck where you automatically got a, you know, one of the Planeswalkers, one of those mm-hmm. guys, the guys became a thing again or became a thing, and they would give you, like, 45 cards like standard cards and then like three boosters so at least then you, you could check the back and see exactly what you were getting like oh i kind of want to create a mono blue deck i'll pick up the mono du- blue pack that'll like get me really started towards a really good mono blue deck and then i'll have some boosters and i can kind of fill it out and that was a cheap way but once you kind of got enough of those like standard cards and enough of the like mana cards i was kind of like Ooh, I should just start buying boosters now to try to fill in the gaps that I yeah. of what I'm looking for. And once I started the chase, that's when I started to lose interest. But then we used to do the drafting, mm-hmm. and I thought that's the best way for me to play Magic because <laughs> you can get the cards you you want. Well, yeah, well, it's not, it's well, not a big buy-in. Yeah, you, you do a little buy-in, you have fun with it for a day, you know, and then you could trade cards, you know, between the three or four people that you had over. You do the draft, you know, the draft day, you know, where you just kind of draft cards, you play with those decks, see how they work. Because honestly, you know, now that we're in our mid 30s, like scheduling a day to actually come together and play magic, mm-hmm. it's a once in a year kind of thing. Yeah. So for how much is one of those? One of those bricks, because I bought a brick last year thinking that last year I would get to it together oh, at least um, once. To the play booster magic. boxes? Yeah, booster box. De- depending on the store, like, they should retail for about 70-something. Some stores might charge up to, like, 90, depending on the popularity or rarity of the yeah. set. Um, yeah, the corset but... uh, from, yeah, 90 bucks. Uh, you can get a corset pack, and that's what I used to buy, like, the core for like 35 bucks where it came with the 10 boosters and then mm-hmm. like some those were like how we used to build that's but yeah 90 bucks i'm like oh four, you know you get three people together four people together you know for one night like that'd be fun <laughs> no, and that's part of like what i'm actually looking forward to uh when i come back up to buffalo in october is we're gonna be doing that draft i i'm bringing those decks that i made up with me so we can sit around. We can have a magic night. Um, I don't want to plan ahead because, you know, this is a Paul baby. But I think it would be just really fun to go to a brewery, get some growlers filled. Like, everyone comes back. We 
we do our drafts, like we hang out, we joke around, we play magic. Like yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that because it's a completely different experience playing against other people online or even the times that you and I have played, Paul, like it's a lot of fun. Like, cause we're still able to be like, Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. Oh, you got me. Like, that's a good deck. Like, wow. Um, and also what's great is on Skype, you can share a screen and you can yeah. like help each other, like tweak a deck, you know, which is good if you're on Skype while on uh, magic, the gathering arena, because yeah. some people would not want to play if you were actually talking to the 16 year old kid that's saying yeah. that you should die of cancer. You know, your your mom's terrible. No, don't say that about my mom. Uh, well, yeah. that's the thing too, because I figure um, when we do the draft, like I'll draft the cards that I want for that. But then you know, you and John are able to just take those cards that you want from it because I've I've got decks. I I already bought into it at home mm-hmm. um, by going to my local game store, and I I have what I want now. Like I don't need to buy any more cards from the current standard because. I've got my decks that I want, and if there's anything else I need, because I want to brew up another deck, I can just go and get those cards and get the ones I want because I don't have to worry about spending a couple bucks to get like the whole set of commons or uncommons or rares that I need. Mm-hmm. Like the most expensive cards that I got when I went were like the mythic rare planeswalkers that I needed for like my um, my black and white deck or my elemental deck because they're mythics they're harder to find so those i was looking like i spent like 15 bucks each for you know but end of the day hey i've got some really cool fun decks now and this is a three paycheck month for me so i had an extra paycheck that i was just like "Eh, chris spend me spend me (laughs) nice uh yeah and i'm excited i got the core 19 set still so, you know, it's not going to be uh, standard very long anymore. Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's still going to be a fun, fun night, night to hang yeah. out with, with friends and do something that we, we don't normally do. Yeah, so I'm excited for that uh, because that's all you really need. Like, you don't need more than one booster for four people, one booster box for four people, right? Like, Nope. Um, that's like three to four people's like the, the right amount because... Mm-hmm. Um, technically the way you're supposed to do it is everyone gets a certain number of packs and then you leave packs on the side so the person that you know wins the tournament gets a certain number as like a prize like number two gets certain number three gets some like Mm -hmm. different number and then the fourth person gets like the one or two that are left but we don't even have to like go that route we're not going to terminate rules we're we're playing and yeah we can uh we can open up all the packs, draft all, from all the packs, you know, have fun with it. because. Well, actually, I think, because there's 36 boosters, I think you can technically do a draft as well as sealed yeah, from well, one booster box. Yeah, well, what am I thinking of? Where we, we did it with uh, a couple of the core sets. I don't think we ever did it with a booster box, but we would mm-hmm. open it up. And then pass. You'd open up the deck. You take out the lands. You take out the token yep. cards. And then you take one card and you pass the deck to the person on your left or get to the left. And then you would yep. get the new pack and you would take a card. So you, and then you would open up your next pack. Is that? Yep. So that's so that's a draft. Okay. Sealed is basically you get a certain number of packs. Like everyone might get four or five packs, and then you open them up, and that's the pool of 
cards that you can draw from to make your deck. Hmm. That'd be tough to seal because it's it's tough. That's the that's the challenge of it because you're only limited to the cards that you pull out. So you kind of have to look for what works just from that, you know, five five packs or whatever. Yeah, there's 36 packs per box per booster packs per booster box. With the exception yeah. of Conspiracy and Master Series, which only <laughs> had 24. Ooh, Conspiracy. <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm really enjoying the game right now. I think it's in a good spot. Um, much like World of Warcraft, I'm now getting into the story of it because something about getting back in now with um, Ravnica and War of the Spark I like that they have the different guilds set up, and each guild is a combination of two of the different colors of magic. So each one of those guilds has its own identity, and I'm able to place myself in those guilds and be like, okay, well, I've always liked playing green. Which ones work with green? Okay, you know, Simic, Selesnya, uh, Gruul. Like, which of those best identifies me as a player? Like, well, I like the direct damage of red. Oh, Gruul's really cool because I get my big creatures. I get to do, like, hard, fast damage. That's that's who I am in in that world. Yeah. I, I, I'm i waiting to get into the story when the Netflix series comes out. Directed or created by the Russo brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the Russo, so that's pretty cool. Um, but much like World of Warcraft, they actually do have novels that come out that tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um with War of the Spark, when that one released, you can get some of the story from the cards themselves, but they did release a novel, and the novel's actually done by Greg Wiseman, who worked on Gargoyles, oh. also one of the creators on um, the Young Justice cartoon series, too. So definitely something worth checking out. I know there's a novel coming out soon, or if it's not out already, for the new expansion set, uh, Throne of Eldraine, which... I mean, they haven't released any of the cards for it yet, just by preview artwork. But I think I actually might wind up getting a booster box of those because it's cheaper than just buying all the random packs trying to get whatever cards I need because I should be able to get almost a full set from one of those. Maybe not like full play sets, four cards each, but... Yeah. Well, what's, it, what's the calculation there? So we'll, we'll say 90 bucks divided by 36... Is two dollars and fifty cents per pack. So you're saving fifty cents per pack, unless it's yeah, now three ninety nine per pack. Because um, I want to doubt it's, it. It's it's three something per pack. I before I went to my local game store, I fell into the trap of buying my random packs at the like the GameStop in the mall, okay. and they charged a little bit more. It was like four twenty eight or something a pack. Which I mean, not breaking the bank on it. Like it was still a reasonable price, but. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper to actually get them from a hobby store yeah, than, like, Walmart or Target. Because yeah. you can still get your cards there if that's your only option, but... Yeah, and for a while, it seemed like that was the one of the only places to get it. Uh, I'm going to hit MTG on Target.com right now and see how much it is. No, they don't show me individual packs online. They got the Challenger packs. They got uh, They got some books. And uh, some like weird, weird other things. The unofficial ultimate collector's guide. Okay, cool. That <laughs> uh, was I was looking for. Yeah, so you know you, you'll save some money if you know you're gonna 
end up buying 36 packs anyways. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually over at walmart.com right now looking at stuff. Um, so again, they have like the weird collections and boxes and boosters stuff. Um, but they do have packs of Magic 19 available, uh, $3.99. Yeah, on here they only got the, you know, the, the collection, the groupings of it, like uh, the deck builder's guide, stuff like that, not the individuals. Yeah. But yeah, if it's $4, let's say, you know, roughly it's like $4 per, you're saving $1.50. You know, if you got, if you're able to do it, because, you know, you got a th- three Three paychecks in a month. Three paycheck month. Yeah, you know, and you got the extra hundred bucks. It's not a bad thing because it'll be. I think it is a really fun time. I think it is. I think there's enough enjoyment even in the solo play of deck building itself. Yeah, that you can get ninety dollars worth of entertainment out of it of just opening the packs and you know sorting through the cards. If you've got that collector's kind of mentality where you like doing that kind of stuff. And yeah. creating a little spreadsheet for yourself of what cards you're missing and what you would like to find. And then, yeah. yeah, if you can go to a casual night on Tuesday and, like, be able to trade cards with people or something like that. Like, I think it oh, opens like it up. I think there's a lot of experience that it opens you up for. Uh, Paul, that night that I sent you, um, like, the picture, like, saying, like, hey, I, I built a deck. Like, <laughs> it, it'll be coming up with me. I was up until 4.30 in the morning going through, like, building other decks wow. and then, like, typing in on my phone, like, what I what I wanted to get to help complete it. Yeah, because if you can find a good card shop that's not going to gouge you on individual sales, too, like, $0.75 cents, $1.50 for a card that you're really looking for, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's worse things you can, there's worse stuff we spent our money on. Exactly. I'm looking There's at worse beers I've spent my. Oh money yes. On. <laughs> looking at you, pizza beer. Uh, <laughs> oh, luckily, we didn't spend our money on that. That was all John. Uh. Um, but no, I'm just on TCGPlayer.com right now, looking up the pre-order stuff for Throne of Eldraine, and they have boosters, uh, booster boxes on here for ninety-six forty-six um, when the set comes out mm-hmm. uh, in October, and that's a that's not bad. But I'm sure you can get it at your local store probably a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which you know what I don't I don't mind doing. Yeah, the store that I go to play board games at uh, on Thursdays they have a you know casual board game meetup. On Thursdays they do do Monday uh, Friday night magic, mm-hmm. uh, and they do the pre releases. They actually have a little champion you know like cup like in their store <laughs> of who has won like which series. Um, you know they do the whole release party kind of things. They, pre-release parties and all that jazz so uh where you can win more decks you know if you buy in so you know there is a thriving community there and even on uh the thursday or thursday night board game meetup there's people playing uh magic the gathering still and also keyforge which is uh another oh, see, yeah which is the other uh game created by richard, yeah, garfield. richard garfield <laughs> Uh, and it's not a collectible card game. It's a unique card game because it's built by... The decks are created by an algorithm. So there's a pool of cards. And then the decks are then randomly generated or procedurally gener- procedurally generated because it's not completely random. Because if mm-hmm. you get this card... If the, 
if the algorithm chooses this card for that deck, then you're more likely to get uh, this kind of card. And then from there, it breaks down to this kind of card. But no two decks are the same. Every back of every card pack is different, and they all have a different uh, title to that card pack. So you could be playing with the uh, Guild of the uh, Warlord's Light. You know, weird stuff like that. You know, it'll sound mm-hmm. like, you know, you hit random generator name yeah. creator. And it's actually gotten them into some trouble. Well, not trouble, but there are some packs that have been created that they had to then ban because the names were racist oh. <laughs> or just not good. So you, you, they're like, hey, send those packs, in, send that pack in, and we'll give you two other packs, you well, know, to make up least. for it. Like, you know. um, so to close out talking about a different game, were there ever any other like CCGs or TCGs that you played after Magic the Gathering? Because you're like, oh hey, I like I like card games. Let me check out this one. Uh, Smash Up, because you know by uh, ATG Eldric Game or AGT, no Eldric something group. I. After ATG, AEG, AEG, that's my, and that's the uh, creator of that. And that's not really, uh, I guess it's a limited CCG. You know what exactly where you're getting in the packs, but you take two packs together and you shuffle them together and you create your deck and you play the game. I, I do enjoy that because it was a very cheap way to get that kind of magic feel without having to do any kind of real work. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that lack of real work means a real lack of fun. <laughs> you know, because you're like, oh, I'm going to take the vampire deck and the dinosaur deck and shuffle them together. Okay? It's just kind of all random, and it's just kind of a fun, like, little one-off. But it, there's no real depth to it. Like, I don't think about it after I play it. But I'm like, oh, I kind of like magic, and this is kind of like a card, fun card game. Maybe it'll be light. And... But it's too light. I don't like building it. I got into Hearthstone yeah. thinking that that would be scratch my itch, but that just made yeah. me really, really appreciate what Magic the Gathering Arena is. Yeah. Um, I never, actually, I never actually played it, but I bought a lot of the Overpower oh, cards. Yeah, the, um, the Overpower was like Marvel, and then they had a DC set, uh, and it was actually published by Fleer when they had the rights to make the comic book. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, trading cards. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what the rules to it were because I never had anyone to play it with. So it was basically just buying the cards and then treating them almost like like trading cards because it was like, oh, you know, I I got Spider Man. Oh, cool, I got Wolverine. I think maybe uh, sometime I come up, I should just look into like buying a box of that somewhere. <laughs> we can uh, have a overpower night. <laughs> yeah, it's probably probably pretty cheap. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, you can get a box for like fifty dollars, twelve start, and that's twelve starter decks. Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, I might I might look into that just for like a fun random night. Yeah, that'll be that'll good. be a Patreon exclusive episode. Yeah, and wanna... and we also got our our uh, next word book with friends. Uh, not episode uh, planned out with the next novelization of uh, whatever magic card. So if you pick it up, let me know and I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll um, buy the book as well. Let me look into it. I forget what it's called. Uh, 
Drain novel. Because, you know, it sounds fun. And if it's the guy that did Gargoyles, we loved Gargoyles. Uh, this this one's being done by someone oh. else. I don't remember the writer's name. Um, Is it Kristen Golding? Just call it, uh, no, it's Kate Elliott. Uh, it's Magic, Throne of Eldraine, The Wildered Quest. Oh, that's a lot uh, of words. I say, if you have a nook, you can get it for three ninety nine. Hey, there we go. Three ninety nine. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably check that out. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get we'll get those. Wait, Maybe a Barnes and Noodle, a Barnes and Noodle bowl nook. Yeah, <laughs> a Barnes and Noodle nook. <laughs> uh, who knows? That might be what I buy and uh, read on my my flight. We'll see. All right. Oh, there we go. Uh, if you guys like Magic the Gathering, if you'd like us talking about Magic the Gathering, I know we didn't explain the rules. We just assumed that if you're listening to this, you're as big of a nerds as we are, and you know yeah. what Magic the Gathering is, and if you've played Hearthstone. Because, you know, they, they, we just assume there's a baseline, and we apologize yeah, for that. They're pretty accessible games, though. I mean, like we said, we play a decent amount of Magic the Gathering Arena online, and it's a free-to-play game. Like, the starter decks that they give you are pretty competitive. They're not bad decks. And then once you start winning games and earning the rewards, you can customize those decks however you want with the cards that you have. Like, there's literally no buy-in for this game unless you want to. And pro tip, you can keep on earning gold and earning gold until you unlock all the card packs uh, just by playing against the AI. Like, you don't actually need to play against anybody, and you'll have all the card the basics card packs unlocked and you'll have a bunch of gold you've would have earned a bunch of gold uh playing through the with the ai as well like i was playing against uh real people and then all of a sudden like i hit a certain level and the the little ai sparky comes up and it's like well you can't earn gold versus me anymore and i'm like wait what i still could (laughs) i was like oh well i've been doing this wrong so pro tip there you go so there you go i think i think it's really easy to get into i think it is actually a really good way to learn magic the gathering as well because uh through that tutorial like it's a little for experienced players it's a little annoying to get through yeah but uh for new players i think it's great so there you go there you go check it out